So Romans is the gospel of the righteousness of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one th- chapters one through eight, the theology of salvation. Chapters nine and 11 explains and reveals the role of Israel and the, the, the economy of God of making of the two one new man. And yet Israel still retains promises, you know. So Romans nine. And now we get into this whole practical section. And you may notice that all of Paul's uh, let, or uh, I think pretty much all of them end with practical applications. And uh, why would they do that? Here's, I wanna give you a tip, because this is what we're gonna look at today, that, that these are wisdom, it, this, this is like wisdom literature. This is like the, uh, the Proverbs of Paul and Jesus. And, you know, and the purpose is to give you wisdom in the battle. And the, the Hebrew word chokmah, chachmah, however the vowel is pronounced, I don't know. But for that is the word in, at the beginning of Proverbs, it says the Proverbs to make you wise and prudent, to give you wisdom. And the wisdom there is this term chokmah, which is, you know, it's shrewdness, like insight into human nature, but it specifically has a meaning of skill in battle. And so if you ever wonder why, why are all these Jewish guys such amazing businessmen, you know, they're business mensch, it's because they have chokmah and they, they go into negotiations understanding what is before them. And there's a blessing of God on that. And if we understand these portions of scriptures, these aren't like to-do lists of rules. These are keys to staying in love and winning the battle and shining like darkness, like light in the darkness, not like darkness in the light. That would be terrible. So, uh, so anyway, that's why we're going to go into this passage of Romans 12. But before we go there, I just want, you know, the, the purpose of, of that wisdom that's revealed is transformation. First, of, of, of us all individually that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, the way we see things, the way we understand God, the way we understand ourselves, the way we understand the world around us, but but also that we engage in all the opportunities that are before us. And, you know, the whole world is so negative, we're almost programmed to notice all the problems, right? And we get discouraged. Just watch the news for a week. I guarantee you'll you'll be depressed. But the... uh, But there are righteous opportunities before us, and that's the purpose of this wisdom, is we see it and we engage, and when we engage, we influence. Now, how many think we should do good? Anybody? Okay, so I just wanna give you that, uh, this statement, engagement precedes influence. And so if we could have the first slide, we've just, I'm just gonna take a couple minutes on this, but I'm gonna read this out loud. Uh, you must engage culture before you can influence culture. True? Um, did you know, you know, there's over 90 million Christians in America. Uh, more than 25 million cho- Christians chose not to vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Whoa, what a difference that could have made. Could have been a landslide. Uh, we can do better. Do you agree? Okay. 
And because our faith votes whether we cast a ballot or not, but let's cast a ballot. We wanna do good to all men. Every time you cast a ballot, you vote for a righteous candidate. You are, you are doing good, not only to the present, but to future generations. Next slide, we're gonna make this a statement. Let's all read the top line together. Our church has the power to shape our community. See, this is chokhmah, this is skill in battle. This is the unity, the as one potential that's in us. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna think, we're gonna vote. Now to make this really easy for you to vote because I know, even though I want you to know that our dear brother Kermit Bell and other people are out in the lobby and have been and will be next week with with Pennsylvania Voter Guides prepared by PA Family Institute, with uh, registration forms, and even with a, a really great comparison of the 2020 party platforms because we wanna vote for platforms, not personalities, because personalities can just be a pretty face on a terrible agenda. And so to make it really easy, if we go to the last slide, we'll, we'll do that one next week. Um, the, if you have a smartphone, because some people go, oh, you know, I forget, I forget, I haven't like, signed up, I don't know what's going on. Well, if you have a smartphone, you can text I vote to 50457, and you will get your own personal voting assistant that will stick with you. And, uh, and on that, they're not gonna like sell your information, but on that, you can register to vote you can request an absentee ballot, and you can locate your polling places. That gets rid of a lot of excuses. And then you can receive election reminders. How many might need a reminder? You don't wanna wake up on Wednesday, November 9th, and go, oh, I forgot. And if you live in Pennsylvania, a week from tomorrow is the end. You have to register by a week from tomorrow if you're not registered. So, is that good? Okay, and just say, hey, we want to do good. You know, this is, how we sh this is how we shine in the darkness. This is the warfare of love. Okay, so um, if we just jump in to, uh, to Romans 12, one and two is Christianity in a nutshell. Everything we have belongs to God. We present ourselves, all of us, all our life, every day to him as a living sacrifice. Be, and, and, and our entire life is committed to him. Our mind gets renewed. We're, we get, we're not squeezed into the world's mold, but we're transformed into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. That, now, now we get into the rest of the passage that I want to speed through today with my apologies. There's a section, verses three through nine, that really describes the gifted life, the graced life, that, um, and Paul starts out, by the grace given to me. So we're all in that same, we're, we are who we are by the grace of God. God has given us favor and capacity, ability that we didn't have in ourselves. And he says, to, I say to everyone among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think with sober judgment, each according to. So in other words, God in, is saying, apply wisdom to your own life. And then he goes on, and we could do, you know, multiple messages on the next few verses. And he, he, in verse four and five, he discusses this fact that we're one body. We have many parts, but we're one body. Just like, it, and he uses this in uh, 
a number of his letters, but this is true, right? We're the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? If you're a member of the body, you're connected to the other members, right? Everybody, if you have a right hand, hold up your right hand, okay? Very good. Now, promise, no, I'm teasing you. Uh, so hold your right hand. Now, your right hand does a lot of good things for you, especially if you're right-handed. If you're left-handed, you're one of the artistic, sinister people. <laughs> That's a play on the Latin. But uh, if you're, you're left-handed, you're probably creative and all that other stuff. But your right hand and your left kneecap might not like each other, but they're part of the same body. You are inescapably united to all the other believers in a local area and ultimately all around the world in a more cosmic way. But we can't, I can't cut off my hand because I don't like my knee. That would be very stupid, right? So I'm just saying, this is, it's a call to unity because we make the difference when we operate as one. How many of you know if you're... If your right foot wants to go west and your left foot says, no, I think it's east, you could do a very painful split over that. Okay, just saying. So, and then there's a list of these fun gifts that are dif different gifts and different functions, but I don't have time to, to do that today because I, wanna, I, want, I just want to speak wisdom in the time I have left. So starting with... Uh, and this looks like a list, like if you're reading it, you think like, why, why? And it's like a whole bunch of stuff we're supposed to do. And uh, it actually is, but it's wisdom literature. That's why it's given in a different form. And so uh, it starts, and love is the beginning. You know, verse nine, it's a dozen ways that grace shines through our lives. And it shines with love. Let love be genuine, Romans 12, nine. How many agree love is the center? You know, John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And then he says, this is how all men will know that, that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's a miracle. And uh, John 13, 34 and 35. Paul writes, Galatians 5.4, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. James writes, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you understand? It's the center. But Paul, I mean, actually, a lot of times when the apostles are writing, they're talking about faith and obedience, which is how we show love. These are John, in John, uh, first, first John he says, this is how we know that we love God, that we, we keep his commandments. You know, we have faith, we love him, so we trust him, and when, because we trust him, we do whatever he tells us. Have you ever been given instructions that you didn't understand, but you did them anyway? Have you ever tried to put together something complicated, gotten the instructions, said, I don't need that? <laughs> and anyway, and then you had to call somebody to help you. Okay. But so let's, we're just gonna look at love here in this first section. This is how grace shines through our love. If you look at verses, verse nine, I, I made these, I numbered these as a list, but you see verse nine, he gives a couple things there, but the issue is love distinguishes between good and evil. And we live in a culture where, where that, you know, there's a, a real attempt to erase that. But um, Romans 12, nine says, 
Let love be genuine. Let it be sincere. Let it be unhypocritical, unfeigned. You know, here, and it does two things. Love abhors evil, and it holds on to good. And so, it, it, my, I'm reading the English Standard Version. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So what does abhor mean? You know, not too many people walk around and go, man, I abhor that. But uh, <laughs> abhor means that it, evil repulses you, or evil, dis, you, we despise evil. And what is evil? Evil is the corruption of God's original intent. So when we see things being done that are not his original intent, like little boys and girls being taught to question whether they're in the right body and then leading to chemical and, and surgical mutilation, castration. Can you imagine a culture that castrates its children? Oh my gosh, you know, so we need to fight this stuff with love, right? With light, but with boldness and not be afraid to speak up. And if you're in a school where that's being taught, you need to, if you're a parent, you need to go to the board meeting. And even if you're in a school district and your children are, you'll be teaching them at home so they get the truth and not a lie, you can go to those board meetings and, and speaking the truth in love, tell, you know, speak truth in the board meeting. So, and then, but here's the thing. We don't focus on that. We hold on to what's good. And the, there's a couple uh, Greek words that are used in the New Testament for good. One has more of an ethical righteousness concept. This one is one that could be translated, it's beautiful. Like we see the beauty in God's design and we hold on to it. We see the beauty in the potential in another human being. We hold on to that. This is it. So this is how love shines. It, and now the, the next verse, verse 10, has a one another orientation. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love this. So in other words, it's like part of the way love shines is we, de we develop strong familial love and affection for each other. We love each other as siblings. And it, th there's, a, there's a word, a, a stem in Greek, storge, storge. It, it means this kind of fierce mama bear, like nobody messes with my family love. That's what it's using there, and it's attached to our siblings. Like, okay, so, so first of all, we're gonna develop this strong and fierce brotherly affection, and then it uses this word again that we... we uh, have the city of Philadelphia named after, that we just choose to be good friends with our family. We choose to be good friends with our, our siblings. Isn't that, I mean, isn't this what makes a family fun? When, when you get together and you all like each other, you don't have simmering feuds, resentments, you know, that have been going on for years and can't even remember why. Okay, so develop strong brotherly affection. And then the second part, this is just, how do you do it? Well, this, this will help you. The second part is outdo one another in showing honor. Like, challenge yourself and, you know, go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give more honor than anyone else around me. That's a healthy competition. That breeds affection and it breeds the glory of God. And it also has a cure for, for pride and all kinds of other things, you know? <laughs> so, okay, then we, get, we look at the next verse, verse 11, and there's three ways that love shines here. Uh, do not be slothful in zeal, 
Don't be lazy, get moving. <laughs> be fervent in spirit. This word, you could translate this, be set on fire in your spirit or by the Holy Spirit. Be ignited. You know, we talked about this. Especially when I was a young Christian, we talked a lot about being on fire for the Lord. We still do. I mean, this is like years ago, Sean started the burn 24-7, you know, and, and uh, the, the, we had a YWAM base here, fire and fragrance. This is the idea that the love of God sets us on fire, and, and, this, and it's done by the Spirit, but it does something to our spirit. So another possible uh, way we can understand this word besides being set on fire is to cause something to boil. It's an amazing thing with water. I mean, I'm gonna speak in metric units here, but if you apply one, one calorie to one gram of water, it raises, it, it raises its energy level, which is measured in temperature, okay? It raises its temperature one degree Celsius. And so it goes from zero, one, two, all the way up to 99 and to 100. Do you know that you, which is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So you can have a gram of water at 100 degrees Celsius that is still liquid. Now you think, well, what if you, if you add another calorie, does it, does it go into steam? No. You know how many, you have to add 570 calories of energy to that one gram of water to move it from one gram of water at 100 degrees Celsius to one gram of steam, vapor, gas at 100 degrees Celsius. So this is why, like, scald, you know, hot, scalding water can really hurt you, but steam can wipe, you know, can move mountains, move locomotives, can, can just, you know, kill people or get rid of the devil. Is it any interest, you know, so it's like if you wanna go from just hot to on fire, you need extra energy to come into your life. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. You know, they, he said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem until you're clothed with power. So man, 10 days of prayer, they were pretty fervent in their love, but when the Holy Spirit came, it's like their their spirits were released in power and it, and it filled the whole city. Have you ever been around someone? I mean, Charles Finney would ride on a train through a town in western New York. I'm not sure if it was Rochester or whatever, but as he passed through the town, people fell on the train without preaching. People fell on their knees in the town and began to cry out to God. It's like his spirit was no longer confined to the liquid state, but was in the vapor state. And a gram of, a gram of water vapor can fill a huge space. A gram of liquid water fills one cubic centimeter. You know, it's just, and it's like it, it increases by a thousandfold. All right, so God set us on fire. Do you want that? Set us on fire. Fill us with the Spirit. Okay, and then the last one, serve the Lord. It's actually this word, serve as a wholly owned slave to the Lord. Now the good news, because you know we say slave and everyone's like, oh, that's terrible. It is terrible when humans are slaves of other humans. But when you're a slave of God, you are the most free person on earth. You belong to him 
You're not your own. You were bought with a price. He ransomed you out of hell's pawn shop. You're on some back shelf covered with dust. No, a nobody and nothing. And he said, I'll take that. And you were turned into a treasure by the touch. Thank you. Okay, next verse, 12. There's three more here, and these have to do with staying on course, not getting distracted or discouraged. Good cure for ADD. This should be my life verse here. Okay, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. How We rejoice in hope. Biblical hope is the confident expectation that the promises of God are true. So, and that fills us with a joy unspeakable that's full of glory. Not only that, when you stand your ground under pressure, you, you are, you know, you're steadfast, patient in tribulation. This is, you're, you're proving your mettle as a warrior. Because what all the enemy can do is he can try to scare you, he can try to deceive you, he can try to put pressure on you. And Paul said, more than that, we boast in our tribulations, we boast in the pressure, we boast in the suffering, because we know it's producing patience in us, which is grit, which is courage, which is I will never surrender this ground. I will die, if I die, I'll die with my sword in my hand and a smile on my face with a belt of truth, a shield of faith, a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation. I'm not gonna let my mind think that the Lord is a man of me. I give my life because he gave his. Come on, stand your ground under pressure. God, give us courage. And then pray persistently. Be constant in prayer. Pray with all kinds of prayer. Be like that persistent widow. Don't give up. I've been praying for years, it never happened. Well, keep praying. And even if you die praying, it's gonna happen for your children, your grandchildren, and the next generation. Okay, and then the last verse has two more that have to do with, this is how grace shines in the darkness. Looks for love looks for opportunities to give. This is what God did, right? That's why he died, for the joy set before him. And this is why God loves hilarious givers. It's like, oh, they get it. Okay, verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So contribute to the needs of the saints, it means share. It's actually the verb form of the noun that that communion or fellowship, koinonia. It's like, like share. Don't be like, oh, I can't help these people because then what'll we do? If the Spirit's moving on you, just share because you're part of the same body. And you know, we don't have karma. Our karma's been canceled. I, I hear people say, oh, you know, it's, I'm doing this for karma. Don't do it for karma. Karma means that you're being punished in this life for everything you did wrong in a previous life. Karma means that you believe in reincarnation and you have no clue who sets it all up. I mean, I'm just, if if you use karma, I know you're not, well, I'm not using it like that, but it's it's a Hindu Buddhist concept based in a lie. But what we have is sowing and reaping. Be not deceived. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap in the spirit eternal life. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. This is what, so and I know when people say karma, I'm not judging them like, oh, they're really stupid. I'm just saying, I do it. You know, I'll say it. But I'm just saying, like the real, 
the real truth of God is he made this seed time and harvest, as John was saying during the, the offering. Okay, so otherwise we could say, hey, you should give an offering because it'll be good karma. That way, the next time you come around, you have more chance of not being a frog. And, you know, <laughs> like, it's, okay, okay. But now, here's what I, I want, the next section, and I'm gonna try to cover this quickly, but it's important. Do you understand? This is why, son, have you ever met Christians that love Jesus and they're really stupid about how they live their lives? And we would never say they were stupid. We're just saying they're a little lacking in certain common sense areas. Or so. I don't know what we'd say. That common sense is uncommon. And, uh, but the next section, these are like, like how we fight. Like all those are the ways we shine. But how we fight, and so I, I was thinking of this, um, a few of my grandchildren really got involved in Taekwondo, and, uh, and my oldest grandson in Florida, my oldest Florida grandson, I mean, his whole personality changed when he got involved in Taekwondo, and he got all this discipline, he got all this insight, he got, and he started, and so in those early days, he would, I would not see him, he would be practicing these I, um, Jahi, are there 12, like, you count to a certain number and they would, they're always counting in Korean and so I, I forgot it, but they would do these certain moves and postures. What were they doing? They're doing the basics. And so I think this next section are the basic moves, the basic stances, and the basic sequences of spiritual warfare because our warfare is not carnal. It's mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's the power of unleashed, sincere love. So verse two, um, or verse 14, this is, the, and I have another list here of, I don't know, 15 or something, but the, I'm not trying to get you to memorize the list. I'm trying to say, you can go to this, you can look at it, you can make your own list and say, I'm gonna master these things. Because what happened is, my, my grandson Hayden, he mastered this and he became, you know, I, we were there for his black belt and he, he didn't just break boards, he broke bricks, you know, and, and he jumped in the air. I have it on video, it's very awesome in slow motion. And, uh, and when he goes, ah, you know, it sounds like a roar. And, uh, but he, and then he got his second degree and now he's in engineering school at University of Florida, so he's not working on it too much. But, the first two, it's important, if you master the basics, you can, you can become a champion. The first, verse 14 carries two of these moves, and these have to do with transformational power of blessing. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Now, is that what we think of? Like, that means I'm gonna, anybody that has a target on my back, I'm gonna bless them. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So the second is never curse anyone. Why does this matter? Because curses can be broken, but blessings cannot be. The blessing of God cannot be broken on your life. When uh, Balak, the king of Zipper, <laughs> that used to make me laugh when I was a young Christian, was paid Balaam, the false prophet, to prophesy and to curse Israel. And so he would get up on this mountaintop and he would bless them. And, and the king got mad at him. And this happened like three times. And at one of the times he said, what is this? I'm paying you to curse him. You're blessing him. He says, behold, I've received commandment to bless. 
And he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. When, when Esau said, Father, Father, you know, can't I have the blessing? And he said, son, I've blessed him. You can't take back a blessing. This is what's so powerful. You've been blessed with every blessing in heavenly places. It's on your life already. Nothing can separate you from the love of God except stupidity. You know, and I mean, which has no power. It has a cure. It's called <laughs> learn. Okay, so now the next verse has two more of these basic moves that have to do with if you want to make a difference, this is spiritual warfare, engage in the life of other people. And not just Christians, but people around you, your neighbors, people you work with. Do you understand that sometimes you get on a job, especially when you're young, I used to, you go into a place and there's like one person, man, they, they don't like you. You can feel it. You get, they're targeting you. They're trying to make jokes. They're being sarcastic. They're, they're deliberately doing things to put you down. You know what that is? That's an invitation for you to start blessing them. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Amen. And it can transform them or you'll get a better job. Okay, engage in the lives of others. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Share, get it. When people are full of joy, share their joy, share their sorrow. I mean, we rejoice with, you know, if, if it's not illegal or immoral, it's you, you just enter into their joy, you know, and don't feel, you know, I heard a guy pre preach this one time. He said, it's easier to weep with those who weep than, than rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, maybe you've been working hard for all this time and your neighbor gets this great, you know, they drive up in their Lamborghini and you're like, God, did you send it to the wrong house? Nope. <laughs> he didn't. You know, he, he's good. But in a sense, so what we do, we enter into their joy. And you know what you're doing? You're doing spiritual warfare. You're breaking the darkness. You're, break, you're breaking curses. You're breaking lack because you're overflowing with joy at their, at their victory. You're sowing seeds of victory in your own life. Okay, the next verse. Um, verse 16, I wanna, oh, the next verse it has one, two, three, four things packed into it. I can't believe it. What a good verse to, like this is chokhmah. You know, live in harmony with one another. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Look for ways to agree. You know, the greatest obstacle to agreement is pride. The greatest obstacle for our spiritual progress is pride. The second is fear. The third is shame. So, you know, we can, like, how do we, how do we get over this? Live in harmony with one another. You know, look for ways to agree. Isn't that amazing? Like a lot of times, now occasionally we're in a situation where we cannot agree, we abhor evil. But if we can find something to agree on, just that word of agreement brings a bridge and allows you further access to influence that circle. So live in harmony with one another. And, uh, you know, I mean, this thing about... I, Oh my goodness, you know, that, that we're afraid to enter in to, uh, to, to be harmonious with people, even though, because I have strong opinions. You've heard quite a few of them. But <laughs> like if I'm around people, they have completely different opinions. My job isn't to rebuke, exhort, and educate them because they haven't invited me into that world, but it's to find, what can I agree with? How can I, how can I be, how can I be harmonious here? 
Anyway, so that's the challenge. Live in harmony with one another. And, and so what really, then it says, don't be haughty. It's not a word that we use too often, but it means self-important, high and mighty. Don't be arrogant. And, uh, and then it says, associate with the lowly. And so I thought we could raise a hand, have everyone raise your hand if you're not lowly, and then we'll know who the lowly people are. But I thought this wouldn't help our harmony. So basically, what this is saying is make friends with the people that are considered nobodies. Because how many know that what's, what is significant in the eyes of man is an abomination in the sight of God? And that, that I'm telling you, I was a nobody and God loved me and made me somebody. And if, I mean, when you were, you were adopted, when you were nobodies, nobody came to God like, hey, God, you know, I'm your favorite, right? Now, you might think he's your favorite after he saved you and graced you and loved you, but when you didn't come to him and enter into his family on your own merit, by the blood of Jesus, we came on our knees. You know, we came as sinners needing forgiveness, sinners guilty before God, and he loves it. So, so how do we, how, what's our warfare we associate with the lowly, with the humble. You know why? Because God does. Isaiah, he who dwells in the high and lofty place. I, I am the Lord. I dwell in the high and lofty place and with the broken and contrite hearts. It's like God loves the poor. God loves the nobodies. It's just so good to, to go ahead and befriend somebody that it seems like a nobody, and you may watch that person in five or 10 years become an absolute champion for the Lord. I, I, anyway, we'll go on here. <laughs> Don't be arrogant. Make friends with nobodies. And I, this is my own addition to make friends with nobodies. Welcome menial tasks. Like this just helps us. This just helps us not to be haughty. You know, like, you know, we go through life and we start thinking, well, I don't do that anymore. You know, I'm, but sometimes we don't do that because we have more responsibilities and that kind of thing. But never not do it because you think you're too good to do it. It's just like, this is why cleaning a toilet can be really good for your heart if you do it unto the Lord. <laughs> okay, so I'm just saying. And then the last one, never be wise in your own eyes. It's like stay teachable. The you know, the, the, it's the antidote for this thing in us that says, I'm right. I know what I'm doing. I don't need anybody to tell me. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said it? Do you understand? I mean, the, I am right is a big giant keeping you out of the promised land. And so how do I know this from personal experience? You know, and a lot of times, I, you know, just being married oh, now over 50 years, you know, a little bit over 50 years, I can tell you that, a lot of times when I thought I was right and Anne was wrong, I was wrong and she was right. So I think at least 51% of the time she was right. And, but I'm pretty close, you know, because it, it goes both ways. It's not like if you, if you receive correction, it doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you're blessed. It means the love of God is in you. He gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud. Why would he oppose the proud? Literally, the word means he pushes down the proud. You know why he does that? Because you will always lose an arm wrestling match with God. Okay, God, I know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah? 
Want to try another? Wait, let's do three out of four. Okay. <laughs> As I pick myself up off the ground, how about <laughs> seven out of 15 <laughs> or out of 13, whatever. But it's like God, hum, he opposes us so we come to the place of humility. Then he can pour out grace on us. And it's grace that saves us. And, it's, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. Jesus, help us not to be arrogant, make friends with, with people that other people ignore. That, that's what I'm saying. Because other people ignore you, you're not a nobody in the sight of God. It's just that people aren't smart enough to recognize that incredible potential that God has hidden inside you. And the one who befriends you will be the one who discovers the great treasure. And then the last part, and I'm, I'm almost through here, um, and it, this covers... One, and this covers quite a few verses, but it's, it's all under the topic of avoiding the contagion of evil. How many know evil is contagious? Like, you know, sin begets sin, this kind of thing. So, verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Like, the payback, the eye for an eye thing is canceled. Could we just say that? Say, we don't get even. We don't get even. I don't get even. You know why? Because God already gave you something you could never pay for. Verse 10, we look for ways to improve situations. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I love how uh, Brian Simmons paraphrases this in the Passion Translation. Plan your life around the noblest ways to benefit others. You know why? Because you're sowing light into the darkness. This is like a spiritual warfare move. And then... Um, if we read verse 18, it says, as far as, is po as depends on you, if possible, as far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. In other words, so the challenge here is to live as a friend toward all whenever possible. So these people may not like you, but in your mind, because you're blessing them, because you're praying for those who persecute you, it's like you have this attitude of being a friend. And so one day when they're, when they're guard is down and they're not quite as obnoxious as they usually are, they, they're not mad, they don't have a hangover, whatever, there you are being friendly again. You know what that does? It's like inside them, it's sowing seeds of light. I'm just saying, you know, and uh, <laughs> this, um, we, so we live as a friend. That's a spiritual warfare move. Like in your mind, even though they hate your guts and maybe they're, you know, somebody on your street, somebody in your work, somebody in your family, somebody here in the church, I hope not. <laughs> it's like, instead of dwelling on all the stuff they've done wrong, you just bless them and you pray for them. And you just, you just can say, God, they're my friend. I'm, I'm prophesying, they're my friend, <laughs> you know. And uh, so then verse 19 almost repeats what has been said. This is really important. Beloved, never avenge yourself. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hand of a living God, but I, that's not the point of this verse. There, here's the point. Number one, don't forget your identity. You can't get on an airplane without an ID, okay? You can vote without an ID but in some states, but you can't get on an airplane without an ID. Here's your ID, beloved. 
You have, you have been massively, your whole world changed because you received the love of God into your heart when you came to him, when he next stood at the door of your heart knocking and said, I, you know, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you open the door, I'll come in. He came in and you're transformed by love. You're beloved. So everything you do, you do from that identity. The second part is leave it to God. Leave it to the wrath of God. Do you know you have your own Godfather to settle accounts? You know, it's like, ah, why did you, I heard what you did to Jenny. I don't know. We, we have ways. Okay, so, but here's the thing. I mean, and it's serious, like he's on your side, he's protecting you. Genesis 12, three, I w God's promise to Abraham, you're all, we're all his children. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who Curse you, the second word curse is actually a different word. It means to dishonor. And I mean, I, I don't wanna tell the stories because they're painful, but Anne and I were dishonored in our la as we left California, 1987 and stuff, and we watched. These are our friends. We weren't mad at them. We weren't asking anything bad to happen, but we saw that a lot of them suffered. And we've seen it somewhat in Pennsylvania. I don't want to make anybody afraid of me. I'm just a human being. This is God who does this stuff, you know, and I don't understand it. And maybe, you know, how God doesn't smash people. He removes their covering. He removes their shadow, their protection. That, and then the brokenness and evil that's in the world takes care of them. But then, so the next verse covers three really important things. So the last one. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So by doing so, you may heap burning coals on his head. And so basically, this says, look for ways to love your enemies in practical ways. When, I, when I was, uh, one of my friends, when I was a young Christian, his name was Breck. He went to a, a college in Santa Barbara. He was from Washington. And, uh, and, he, was get, and he got really converted during that time. And, uh, and so he's reading the, the Bible and taking it totally literally. He's on fire for God. And Breck's dad was a dentist. Breck, you know, was this very nerdy guy. And, uh, but fortunately, one of his friends, his friend Danny Campos, who had been a heroin dealer and, a, and had gotten saved through Teen Challenge and had a Pentecostal, Puerto Rican Pentecostal granny who prayed him into the kingdom, you know. So Danny was streetwise, but anyway, Breck goes out on the street in, in uh, Goleta, California, the university district, looking for, to feed the naked and the hungry and, and all that. And he sees this guy that, I mean, he's just wearing a loincloth. He's totally dirty, his hair's stringy. He's got a chicken foot around his neck on a leather thong. And, and Breck goes, that's him. Because he, he made a dinner and then he went out to look for something. This is, isn't it beautiful? It's like baby, like children, you know, like, so it, and Breck says, hey, would you like to come to my apartment? I have a dinner for you. And the guy goes, yeah, okay. And he goes to his dinner and he sits down at the dinner and he, you know, he's eating, he's starving, he's eating with his hands and stuff. And then he starts manifesting all the inhabitants of his house, because Breck's trying to share the gospel with him, and he, and he guy's getting pretty violent in the house, not 
hadn't heard, fortunately, Danny next door heard the noise, came over and knew how to deal with this guy because he had lived on the streets for years. But it's just, but it's like God will take care of us. We look for ways to love our enemies in practical ways. We show kindness to enemies, hoping they'll become ashamed of their actions and seek the reason for our kindness. So here it is. If your enemy, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That means there's something that goes, the, the basic, there's different ways this is proposed to understand, but I think it's that our kindness causes a burning in the conscience of the people who keep hating us. You know? And it's, we're sowing seeds of kindness, seeds of kindness, and after a while, it's starting to bug him. Do you think this is maybe what happened to Saul of Tarsus, who was standing at the stoning of Stephen the deacon in Acts chapter six, as he's being stoned, maybe it's chapter seven, and he's, and he's approving of it, and then by chapter nine, Jesus knocks him to the ground on his way to a... Damascus, and he's ready to give his life to the Lord. You know, I don't know. I just know this, that when we, we, if our enemy's hungry, feed him. And the last verse, don't be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. Don't be conquered, don't be a victim, but you're conquer evil with good. Please stand. Sorry I kept you a little too long here. But I wanna, I just... Do you get it? You get like this. This is good stuff. This is like I can learn these skills. I can practice. You don't have to do them all the same time, all at once. But just like rehearse it, write it down. Say, man, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on that till it becomes second nature with the Holy Spirit's help. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, and this is skill in the battle, and. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. But it's so important that we do it as one, that we do it in unity, that we recognize that we've been made one body in Christ. And our friend Lance Wall now is kind of famous for going around the world and and doing the gladiator chop and saying, as one. So here's, and do we believe that? You know, sometimes we're going to make a decree today as one. So I'm going to release you and I'm going to pray for an impartation of boldness and an impartation of a great desire to gain skill in the warfare of life because this will make you successful and this will make you prosperous and this will cause you to see victories that you didn't even feel like you were contending with and some that are big, big battles. So I want to bless you with the ironic blessing in English, and then at the end, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to say one, two, three, and then we're all going to get our gladiator chop ready, and we're going to shout as one. And usually when Lance does it the first time around, it's pretty pathetic, and he always has to have it do a second time. But I'm giving you advance warning so that when I say three, you're all going to shout with all your might as one because the devil wants to destroy our, the power of our unity. Are you ready? Okay, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. His favor is protecting you. May his face, his presence, his love 
shine on you and out of you. May you know an overflow of grace on your life. May the Lord turn his face toward you. May you know he's always got his eye on you in love. And may his shalom rest upon you and become your basis of your operating system that there's no lack for anything he calls you to. As you bear his name into the world, and I speak this in the name of Jesus the Christ, Bahashem Yeshua Hamashiach. I'm saying this for the benefit of all our gateway friends here <laughs> who all understand English perfectly well. But okay, so now can you say amen? Amen. amen. Now, on the count of three, we're going to proclaim, we're going to decree a unity that is terrifying to the enemy. So get your gladiator chopper ready. Don't hit anyone, okay? Notice some people are spatially challenged, you know, so, okay. So one, two, three, as one! Hallelujah! <laughs> All right. God bless you. If you have babies, go get them. And uh, I know some people came here wanting prayer, needing prayer. There's grace here to heal. There's grace here to deliver. There's grace here to save. So if you're in any need, there are people waiting to pray for you. Amen.